Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. Here's your host, Tom Bourne. All right, and welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. Uh, my name's Tom Bourne, your host. Um, many years ago, it seems like a lifetime ago, I worked for a specialised unit in uh, probation parole called the High Risk Offender Management Unit. And some of those people who were our clients, uh, were subject to um, the Dangerous Prisoner Sexual Offender Act in, in lovely Queensland. Uh, while I was working there, I worked with two wonderful gentlemen, both by the name of Michael, uh, Michael Campaign, and today's guest, Michael Coogan. Michael, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Tom. Uh, that's excellent. Um, so tell us about, you know, your, your your industry that you're currently in and what led you, led you into the roles that you've undertaken so far? Look, I'm currently uh, working for Suncorp uh, as the investigation review officer. Um, I guess it's a big change from where I've, I've come from. Um, but I guess basically uh, from my work history, I was a... Um, Naive, twenty-one year old when I uh, went to corrections, and I found myself in um, the maximum security prison mm -hmm. to start with. And obviously, from that, I progressed my way through the ranks um, to a, a senior correctional officer, and then had the opportunity to um, uh, go into a joint police and corrections. Uh, and intelligence unit, investigations unit. Um, spent a bit of time there and um, undertook uh, 12 murder investigations that occurred in custody. And then I had the luck of coming out of that and um, going into our dog squad for a couple of years. And then, as luck would have it, I found myself on deployment 
over to the Solomon Islands, um, working for Ozay. And after a 12 month stint there, I returned and um, was offered a role um, within police in a, um, a specialised um, semi covert police unit. Um, that was, uh, its role was basically to infiltrate, dismantle, organised crime groups, um, assist with cold case murders, recruit informants, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I come out of that and obviously um, went into the, uh, in with yourself, Tom, to the um, uh, HROMU and we spent a, a bit of time together there. Mm-hmm. And that was something completely different, I guess, as you well know. Yes, indeed. Uh, and, um, yeah, from there I ended up with the Department of Transport as an inspector and then I, I took on various roles outside of that with the Race Integrity Commission, the Greyhound Race of New South Wales, and uh, a couple of compliance roles within council and then found myself running the Suncorp. So um, going some fairly high-risk high-stress uh, environments to somewhere where it's still fast-paced, but um, certainly not having to experience the same level of um, risk and threat as I did through corrections and police. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of your time in corrections, um, most people, from my experience, uh, don't know of the, the sort of everyday hazards and risks you face in corrections, that everyone faces in corrections. Um, most people are quite happy to turn a blind eye. Can you sort of shed some light on some of the, the hazards and risks that someone working in corrections faces daily? Look, I guess um, every day is uh, is a risk because um, you just don't know day to day. That, you know, when you're dealing with offenders, uh, the reason they're in there is because they're not necessarily nice people. And some of those people quite, can be quite violent. They have some mental health issues and so the the threat or the risk or fear of assault is a constant um you know we can come to work you know feeling pretty good and you wake up the offender and uh he might just uh, just snap and then you know uh i was lucky that i think in 15 years i was only assaulted once Mm -hmm. uh so i guess that was you know good um but i guess it's just, there's a lot of psychological effect that goes on with it. I think it's because um, because of that risk, and you know, you, you know you, and back in the early days, you know, when there was lots of syringes, needles in the prison, you're always concerned about getting a needle stick injury. Um, mm-hmm. uh, from what I'm seeing now, that you know, it's maybe not as bad, but knowing some of my colleagues, and I, I've had a few colleagues that have um, committed suicide from post traumatic stress. Um, and a lot of that came down to the work environment, um, the, the, not just the pressure from working with the offenders, because that was um, there was also the uh, lapse from the management of the of the um, in the system. Um, and as I said, you always had that constant worry about something happening, and um, you know whether you know if you're doing the perimeter of the jail um, in the early days. And there was always concerned about escape attempts. And because firearms have been used in a, a couple of escape attempts over the years, um, that was always a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, but the internal 
internal side of things, um, again, because I know from my, my time when I first started, we had the worst of the worst come out of um, the old Bog Road prison and they were put from a, a very archaic system into a new system where they had access to knives and everything else. So they were able to make home brews and they'd get drunk and you'd almost guarantee every afternoon shift that there would be, you know, assaults on staff because the prisoners could get drunk. Um, but then there was also the, the constant um, night shifts, you know, finding offenders who would try to commit suicide by um, slashing their wrists and things like that. So um, now I think a lot of people don't realise it, but yeah, that has an effect because even though they're an offender, Mm. Um, if you find someone like that, or you've got a dead body, uh, it, you know, some people go, yeah, it's only, a, it's only a, a prisoner, who cares? Well, yeah, there's a human side to um, staff. You know, we're there to make sure people stay alive. As much as we have our own opinions about different offenders and uh, what they've done, at the end of the day, our job is to make sure they serve their, they serve their sentence and, um, you know, and they stay alive. And when you encompass that, the, the psychological effects, I think, long-term is something that people don't understand or don't see what uh, a correctional officer goes through. Yeah. You know, that, that constant fear. Yeah, I was going to say, is it, is it a situation where you're constantly on edge? Um, I'd say constantly, but, you know... Um, when you work in a certain environment, uh, and as you well know, Tom, from the time in the HRO and you, is that when you get to know the offenders, mm. you you can sense if there's a, a something wrong or um, it's going to be there's not something there. But again, it, it, it's it's a volatile mix at times. Um, you know, you always have to have it in the back of your mind that something's going to happen, could happen. So you've got to be prepared for that mentally um, and physically because, you know, there has been assaults where uh, it's been unprovoked um, and where offenders just come out and assault officers. So, mm. um, so yes, you, you certainly are, you know, you, you're mindful all the time about what may happen. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, it's not like you're actually... Uh, um unskilled or, or or unsuccessful in your role. I uh, believe you uh, received a commissioner's co commendation. Can you tell us anything about that in general terms? In general terms, um, when I first started into this uh, joint um, actions police intelligence unit as an investigator, um, it, I'd had, you know, offenders tell me certain things um, during the course of my career about... Um, a couple of deaths in custody, and uh, so I initiated a. I did a report up to my um, uh, superintendent, deputy superintendent, and said, "Look, I think we should look at these these twelve deaths. Well, some of them were were murders, but a number of them were actually um, written off to suicide." So, uh, in company with a former colleague. Um, um, I started off this investigation known as Operation Cashbox, and with that, we were quite successful in identifying offenders for a number of murders. Um, 
and and basically the as a result of the investigation we undertook, it made significant changes within policy procedures within the, within um, the prisons in the way we manage prisoners, uh, identify methodology and things we significantly need to change. So in the end, I was uh, nominated for the uh, accommodation and uh, I received that obviously for my work in um, in solving uh, a number of these murders or, or, or being able to put together uh, the information for police to actually arrest and, and charge uh, a number of offenders. Mm. So, yeah, it was... Um, and, and even to this day, I, I'm still assisting police at different times um, with the, the uh, some of the ongoing investigations. Good, good. Now, uh, you became a dog handler. Dog handler sometimes is seen as the glamorous role in, in corrections. Is it glamorous at all? Um, look, it, it's a completely different role because it's so specialised. Um, it's certainly a position where a lot of staff try, will try to go into. Um, I'd say it was probably one of the better jobs um, that I've had in corrections. Um, it's probably changed a lot now, but... Um, you know, it, it when you ha- you have that uh, dog as your your best friend and your partner, um, yeah, it's probably a little bit glamorous then because you know you you, you feel like you're pretty special. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you still you still do a lot of work, and you know, and with that comes risk uh, as well. Um, but probably not the day to day risk like um, general run officers face. Mm-hmm. Um. You went to the Solomon Islands as part of the uh, the, the part of the APAC to actually uh, help Solomons when it uh, descended into a bit of chaos. Uh, what sort of risks did you follow, basically uh, um, were exposed to there? Uh, well, I guess on the uh, the risk there was um, it, it was sort of a really strange one to put your finger on because. They come out of a post-conflict. There was still a lot of um, uh, tensions between um, the different um, actions there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was still uh, a number of those groups that. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Didn't like the fact that Australia was intervening. Um... But, um, you know, that I had my house firebombed once when I was there. Um, uh, even though you're there as an advisor, you still had a lot of on-hand, face-to-face interactions with offenders. Yep. So, um, you know, that there was always that concern. And because a uh, member of the uh, 
federal police have been shot and murdered um, probably a couple of weeks after I arrived there. Um, you did have that that worry that it could happen at any time. Um, fortunately, it didn't happen. Um, but again, it was um, the people were unknown. Most of them were really most people. Most of the islanders were very friendly, but it was a, a different a different environment where the prisoners would expect you and want to sit here, sit you sit down, hold hands, and play with them. Actually, uh, you wouldn't see corrections here. No, no, uh, absolutely not. Completely, and, and it was it was a bit of a culture shock, especially for myself, because that's just something that you just didn't think was would happen. Um, and you know, you'd be walking through the prison, and they'd just come up and start holding your hand, and that was part of their culture. Um, so you can imagine doing that with some of the hell um, high high risk, high profile murders in custody in. In Queensland, you certainly wouldn't be walking around the prison holding their hand. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. Um, no, that would be quite interesting. All right. Um, you worked as an inspector of transport. Uh, what was that like? Look, I really, I really enjoyed the job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the again, the the risk risks were different. Um, risks that you you had to worry about more was if you were intercepting a truck. Um, or cars, you know, you didn't know what if they're going to stop or things like that. I mean, obviously, you had a, um, you know, you had possible procedures and and um, high vis and all those sort of things. So the risk probably wasn't the same. Um, there was still risk involved, but not not in the same way as you would with um, police and protective services. Um, you know, but uh, you, you know, the lines, like I said, there wasn't um, issues. Um, but um, you know, again, it's it's a it's a different animal you're facing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, and you did a little bit of time with the Racing Integrity Commission. Um, can you tell us anything about that at all? Yeah, look, um, again, it was quite different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, and for me, I've never really had any interest in um, racing in any form. Um, and well, there's a lot to learn, uh, but again, um, the risks. In, there was really no risk. I mean, I may be by horse if you got around the wrong, wrong, wrong end of it. Yeah. Um, it was. Um, uh, it was very people orientated position. Yep. So, you know, you really had to be able to communicate well. And I think across the board from every role I've been in. One of one of the biggest safety nets you have is to be a good communicator. Yeah, I think that's what um, resolves a lot of risk um, in any role. If you communicate well, then it minimises uh, considerably the risk you might face. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you? How did, just a just a personal question? Um, how did you go from? sort of corrections environment where you, you might have restraints, you might have uh, some things to help uh, uh, modify behaviour, we'll say that, um, to you when you walked into the high-risk offender management unit and the only thing you had was your voice to control anyone? Look, I, I guess it was, um, it was again, a different environment, but uh, I think 
because of the level of offender you're dealing with, uh, predominantly because of, uh, most, as you know, we're child sex offenders, so they're not really the most um, aggressive presence to deal with. But in saying that, you still had some offenders who, you know, they weren't uh, child sex offenders, they were like, rapists or things like that. Um, but again, it comes down to that communication. I think, you know, you had to be able to defend yourself from complaints. Yeah. I think it was probably, as you know, it's um, because there'd be more verbal assaults than physical assaults. Um, um, and I think sometimes uh, trying to defend yourself from those things where, unfortunately, um, like a lot of a lot of the things that those industries, is that they don't always believe the officer. Mm. You know, um, offenders can make complaints and they'll be listened to first. So you had to be able to protect yourself and um, not just from offenders but um, from other work colleagues. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had some with a work colleague who uh, made some uh, pretty um, slanderous uh, allegations against me, mm. which... Um, Anyone who, if they knew you, would be able to be true. Mm. But, um, you know, and those things aren't taken lightly. You know, there's, you know, they, the department investigates people and, again, then then it becomes more stressful. Yeah. I mean, it's those sort of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I could play the devil's advocate. It's really hard for me to, because I know the situation you're talking about, but I could play the devil's advocate and say, the department investigating and then eventually exonerating shows that the system works. But did you find that those allegations had a, a long-term effect on you? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, um, the I guess the effects were because um, it attacks your credibility. Mm. And you start questioning yourself a little bit. Um, and I don't think you're ever really exonerated because um, I think the, the problem being is that um, the person who makes a complaint gets away with making the complaint. Mm. You know, there's no, there's no fallback position to say, well, you know, you've made a vexatious complaint. Um, you know, you should be disciplined, um, especially if it's found you know, not to be warranted. Yeah, yeah, I just I I I I I found certain situations when not even an apology was issued once people were cleared to be um yeah uh, almost um victim blaming but you know um, perhaps that's just me um but... no look I think you're right I think it's um you know you, you don't even you don't get anything from uh from the organisation, um, yeah, not even a letter to say, well, I mean, you might get a letter to say, we've completed the investigation, they've no, actually been taken, which is pretty wishy-washy, really, uh, mm. considering what it puts people through. Yeah, yeah. All right. In your opinion, do you think you've done a lot of work in uh, public service over the years and... Uh, um, most people, if they knew the work you you had done and 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 the risk you take, would actually thank you. Um, but 
in your opinion, do you think workplaces in the public service are getting safer or not? Um, I think as far as um, physical uh, violence, I think that they've, they're making much better steps forward to protect staff from that side of things. But I think, like anything else, I think they've... They really haven't um, or don't understand the um, the emotional or psychological impact. And I don't think um, a simple saying, oh, we have um, Converge or one of these um, agencies there for you to go and speak to um, for a critical incident. Um, I don't think, I don't, from my personal experience, I don't believe they work. Um, so... Yes, safety has gotten better when they have the appropriate staff in centres and, and things to support the staff. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think it, um, again, in my opinion, um, I, I don't think they've they've really made the um, big enough step forward to, to look for staff um, after they've come out. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's where it, it falls down because... Uh, as soon as someone leaves the resonance and wipe their hands, there's there's no support for, for people to um on how to deal with things. And as I said earlier, you know I've had a number of colleagues that have committed suicide um, because they've had post traumatic stress, um, and it, it doesn't manifest itself straight away. I mean, it takes years and years before it can really show. That's right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, currently working with Suncorp as an investigator. How are you enjoying that? Um, look, again, it's very different. It's taken me a bit of time to get my head around it, but um, oh, I certainly find it challenging mm-hmm. um, because it's a completely uh, different role. I mean, you still have that, that um, interaction with people and you've got to be able to communicate well. Um, but... You know, as a, a company to work for, really good. You know, really supportive. Um, you know, I'll have midweek checks on you to see how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's – it's, and I'm not just saying that because I work for them. I'm, no, no. Uh, but I'm, I certainly feel that it's, um, it's, it is completely different and certainly don't feel unsafe at all, um, which is got a great thing. Yeah, knowing that you're going to be coming home um, and not having to worry all day what might happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I must, I must admit, it, it's nice for me to be out of sort of compliance and enforcement roles, and it has been for a few years because um, I don't know. I, I took things a little bit too to heart too much, and uh, there'd be some days I'd be uh, going to work. And I'd be feeling sick to the stomach going, uh, what sort of, um, I won't say nonsense, but what sort of things will I be uh, having to put up with today? Uh, and that was both with clients and and with other people, as you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No. All right. Um, we might leave it there, Michael. Listen, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate all your work. And more importantly, um, from someone who uh, basically used you as a bit of a mentor, even though you're a few years younger than me, but not much. Um, 
you certainly taught me a lot in the time in in Haromu. And uh, I, th I think both you and uh, Michael, the other Michael, um, certainly have influenced how things have gone for me over the years. So uh, thank you for your work at the public service. Thanks for actually exposing yourself risk to risks almost daily to keep the rest of us safe um, at night. And um, I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks for your time, Tom. Right on. Bye. Thanks for listening to Health and Safety Conversations with Tom Bourne. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.